turn to our first reading to the Psalter, Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. <clears throat> I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my going. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Bird offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing to his most holy word. All right, so to the chief musician, a psalm of David. I think we have covered those, those terms with regard to um, uh, inclusion. I think if you, are, um, if you are interested in this, I think it's five. There are five psalms in this first book of the Psalter, Psalms 1 through 41. 
that have no title. Aside from those five psalms, all of the other titles uh, give David as the author. Okay, so in the first book of the Psalter, you have five psalms unnamed, um, but then you have uh, all the rest of them uh, as David, the author, the sweet psalmist of Israel. So it's to the chief musician, the song then for public worship and that for all time. So as we dive into the first section, I have that as verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. Notice that David declares here uh, his waiting upon the Lord. Uh, waiting here, it's a, it's, it's a double Hebrew verb. So waiting, I have waited upon the Lord. Or as it's translated here, I waited patiently. That's how the King James translators often handle that Hebraism where you have that doubling of the verb. Um, and notice that he heard my cry. Now the waiting here is not just simply waiting like this. But it's waiting with an eye to continued service and hope and care. Right? It's a very active sort of waiting. It's an active hope. It's not just being uh, patient. It's, it's, it's much beyond that. There's much expectation and continued service involved in this kind of waiting. So David didn't say, I waited to see if the Lord would hear me or not, and I waited to serve him until he heard me. It's not what we're seeing here. David continues in service. It's kind of like Peter, after Christ is ascended, he's waiting for something to happen. Wait for the promise of my father, right? That's what Peter's waiting for. But what does he say? He says, I'm going fishing. Why? Well, it was 40 days, right? And so what are you going to do for 40 days waiting on that promise? Peter says, I'm going to be busy in my calling. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to hope in him. I know that some would make that like Peter was just saying, oh, I guess it didn't work out. I'm going back to fishing. No, that's not what, that's not what went on there at all. Okay, so notice the Lord's response. He inclined unto me and he heard my cry. Uh, the other thing that David mentions here is he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, the miry clay, and he set it, my feet upon a rock and established my goings. So that's the, the, the uh, first instance is deliverance. David had cried out for deliverance and he received that deliverance. Uh, the pit there, uh, you know, think of a well that has been dug that has since dried up. Someone didn't cover it. You accidentally fell down into that well. Your feet sink into the mire, uh, the mud in the bottom of that well in, in such a way that there's no hope for you to recover yourself out of that. So the Lord rescued him. Um, he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Of course, when David says he set my feet upon a rock, we know that David has spoken elsewhere in the Psalter about the Lord being his rock. He established his way in the Lord, in other words. All right, so now uh, David's response, he, that is the Lord, put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So again, we have a progression of thought here. David cried out to the Lord for deliverance. The Lord delivered him and set him upon a rock. David then did what all of us should do at such deliverance as that. He praised the Lord. The song came forth from his lips. And notice, many shall see it and fear 
and trust in the Lord. Um, This is what I think Paul has in mind in uh, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 when he says that the people of God actively involved in public worship are singing and making melody in their hearts and they're teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There is a there's a didactic use of the Psalter among the people of God. So David speaks of that as well here. <clears throat> okay, the next step in that progression, blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. So again, we have an antithetical verse here. Uh, we move forward from this, this witness that is in David's mouth to the man that hears that witness puts his trust in the Lord and, notice, turns aside from all others. Beloved, we don't add Jesus to our repertoire of stuff. We turn from idols to the living God, as the Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonians. We turn from those who speak lies to the truth himself, the living God. We turn from and we turn to. All of that is included in that word repentance or turning in the Old Testament. It's not just one side of it, it's both sides. All right, so then uh, once again we look at the wonderful works that the Lord has done and the Lord's thoughts toward us. They cannot be reckoned up in order. They are more than can be numbered. And this finishes out the first section. And so God gets all of the glory for this progression of thought that we've seen here. God rescued David. God put a song in his mouth. God brought others to faith in himself. And he gets all the glory for that. Okay? All right, so now we move on to the next section. And this next section is, uh, can I say it this way, properly messianic. Properly messianic. Here in Psalm 40, now we have good reason to think that because... In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 12, these words are put in the mouth of Christ. These very words. When he bringeth his first begotten into the world, right? When Christ comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, uh, but a body thou hast thou prepared me, burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou takest no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, lo, here I come. In the volume of the book, it's written me, I've come to do thy will, O God. There's a little bit of difference between the Hebrew phrasing, or sorry, the book in the, in the book of Hebrews, the way it's phrased, and here. Uh, keep in mind that when an inspired apostle quotes the Old Testament and brings the language up uh, by way of inspiration to his own context, that that is also inspired. It's not a mistake. Right? Apologetically, what we hear then is, uh, for instance, the phrase that is changed here, no, sa- uh, no sacrifice nor offering didst thou desire, mine ears hast thou opened. That's how David puts it. What's put in the mouth of Christ is, no sacrifice nor offering thou didst desire, a body thou hast prepared me. Interesting. A body hast thou prepared me. Why would Jesus say it that way? Why would that be put in the mouth of Christ rather than mine ears hast thou opened? Well, number one, if you have a body, you have ears. Right? But if you have ears that are open, you also have the entirety of your body. In other words, the entirety of that incarnate humanity that is 
going to have open ears to hear the word of God, to delight to do his will. And so what is being emphasized in Hebrews chapter 10 is the incarnation of Christ and his perfect obedience to everything that God his Father commanded him. So that's why the language has been updated, changed a little bit, uh, not changed so that it is not inspired, but changed in that way so as to be a fuller witness to the incarnation of Christ and the perfection of his obedience. That makes sense to everybody? Sometimes apologetically people get a little bit nervous when they see those changes from Old Testament to New Testament. Keep in mind that the New Testament writers, the apostles that, that wrote the New Testament, when they quote the Old Testament, they are not tied to those verbatim words because they themselves are inspired and may have something in, in addition to teach or something to augment by way of different words. And that because they are also carried along by the Spirit of God. All right, so this section then, verses 6 through 10, speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a very interesting thing for the Lord Jesus to say. No sacrifice nor offering didst thou require, yet Christ himself offered himself a sacrifice unto God his Father. So what is being enumerated here? What's being enumerated is that Christ is very often so closely identified with his people that sometimes he will speak and it applies only partially to him. It applies partially to his people. Sometimes it, it applies in a different way to both of them. Right? So what did the Lord Jesus Christ do? Was the sacrifice that he offered, was that for his own sin? No, it was not at all. It was for the sins of another. What did that require of the Lord Jesus Christ? It required of him absolute, unflinching, perfect confidence, faith in his Father as a man, as, as our Messiah, as our surety and substitute. And that is what is being emphasized here in Psalm 40 and then augmented in Hebrews 10. It's not sacrifice or offering that the Lord was after from you, beloved. What does Solomon say to his, quote, son, my son, give me your heart. It's not sacrifice and offering that the Lord is primarily looking for. Only those as it is indicative of that faithful obedience that we offer to the Lord. Mine ears hast thou opened is how David puts it. The way Christ says it is a body hast thou prepared me. It's not sacrifice and offering. It's not a sacerdotal system that God is after. It's heart religion. It's obedience in everything from the heart. It's open ears to hear the word of God. It's a body that is completely given up to the Lord. You say, but that's not exactly right, isn't it? Because didn't God require sacrifices of the people of God? Well, he did, but not primarily. And that's what's being emphasized here. Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, 
Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. What did Jeremiah say? Jeremiah, uh, in, a, in a certain sense of emphasis, says, I never spoke to you about sacrifices. Well, of course God did. We know that he did. But this is a rhetorical device. It's an emphatic device. And so, beloved, we might say it this way. The Lord doesn't say to you, make sure you're in church every Lord's Day. He does say that, but not in the way that it would become something that displaces the kind of heart, love, and mind that we ought to have toward him. These things will, this obedience in showing up to church every Lord's Day and bringing the sacrifices of praise and so on, those are going to rise up out of that heart that the Lord seeks first, foremost, and primarily. Beloved, there are people who throughout the history of, of ancient Israel offered him sacrifices and never offered him their heart. And then there are those that offered both. The heart primarily and the sacrifices in loving obedience to the Lord. That's what we're looking at here. That's what's being said. And that was most certainly the obedience that characterized our Lord Jesus Christ. And that perfectly without ever failing once not only not failing in any duty but never failing to love the lord his god with all his heart soul mind and strength and his neighbor as himself in everything so that's what's being emphasized here in this christological portion in verses 6 through 10 then notice what Christ says here, these mouths seeing that they are put in his mouth. I delight to do thy will, O God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Now this is a promise that, that is given to all of God's people as well. Right? It's not just Christ who has that law written upon his heart. This is the promise of the new covenant. Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 33, sorry, 31, and so on. These are promises that God has has made to his people in Christ and so because we are united to Christ we have that same writing of the law upon our hearts as well no not perfectly not absolutely but yes savingly such that the law of God becomes a delightsome thing for the people of God and then notice Christ will proclaim in verse 10 I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. The great congregation there, Jesus will speak of his people. So David says that historically, yet David there, as Edwards would say, personates Christ when he does so. All right, so now we move on to the last section of this psalm, 11 uh, through 17. And this is uh, where the Christological portion continues, and yet we have to make sure that we understand it correctly. So notice, withhold not thy tender mercies from me. Let thy loving kindness and truth continually preserve me. Loving kindness and truth, those are our favorites. Chesed uh, ve'emet, right? The, the Lord's covenant faithfulness, which is always according to truth. That will be the preservation of David and also of Christ. 
Now notice this. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold on me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Well, obviously the Lord Jesus Christ cannot say that about his own personal sins. And yet, when God the Father will make him an offering for sin and impute the sins of all of the elect to his account and he will suffer for them, in that sense, Jesus being identified with the sins of his people can confess that as well. It's not his own personal sin. It's yours and mine. And yet Jesus identifies so fully with his people that he says, mine iniquities have taken hold upon me. Okay? What a Savior we have. What a Savior we have. So then he will call upon the name of his Father, of his Lord, to preserve him and to make haste to help him. He will ask for deliverance from those who seek to destroy him. Um... They will be driven backward. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame. That say unto me, aha, aha. What does that mean? Aha, aha. Well, beloved, I think you know what it means. I think sometimes we're found in that same uh, path, aren't we? Sometimes we're looking for someone to fall. And when they do, we say, aha, I knew it. Rather than love. What is love one for another? That we expect nothing but good things from one another. We're always looking for the positive side of things. Not looking for those things that, that well, we just knew would come if you give it enough time. Right? That evil surmising, that evil expectation one of another. Of course, this has uh, no place in the, in the mouth of Christ. Let all those that seek thee then rejoice and be glad in thee. Let, let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Can I put it this way? Put off the old man and put on the new man. Put away, aha, aha, and put on the Lord be magnified. Of course, that's simply what we see over and again in Scripture, Right? Put off that which is evil, put off the works of darkness, and put on the armor of light. Finally then, we have the humility of David and Christ. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer, make no tarrying, O my God. And and so in in that final verse, verse 17, what do we see? Beloved, do you think little of yourself? Oh, God would never take notice of me. Oh, he takes notice. He takes notice of the poor and needy. The Lord doesn't wait for the fanfare to take notice. The Lord doesn't wait for the accolades or the Facebook likes or whatever it is to take notice. The Lord takes notice of the poor and needy. And very often, the psalmist will go on to say, Elsewhere in the Psalter, he takes notice of the poor and needy, but the proud he knows afar off. Right? Okay. Well, that's how the soul ends. Let's stand and uh, call upon the name.